We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to A Taste of Romamu, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Romamu, please visit romumu.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Good Shabbos. This morning's Kriyat Torah, the reading this morning can be found in your Eitz Chaim Chumash, in your, in your Red Bibles, page 357, chapter 7, verse 8. 357, chapter 7, verse 8. 357. This is a critical moment in the redemption narrative of the Torah. The Torah makes it absolutely clear to us over and over again that great leaders resist leading. That great leaders recognize the, the gravity of the mission that they've been sent upon and hold that mission with great humility and fear lest they fail. Great leaders, at least in the model of the Torah and the way the Torah wants us to construct an image, an ideal image of a great leader, Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, our teacher, is both flawed and regal, powerful and feels impotent at times, and says of himself, I, the one who will be the most famous and eloquent orator of all Jewish history, or at least my name will be associated with eloquence, I have a speech impediment. And so where we pick up the narrative in our annual reminding ourselves of what those leadership qualities are, where we pick up is with this flawed bodhisattva. After all, Moshe is the great bodhisattva. He leaves Egypt and then returns. You're crazy, Moshe. You got out. Stay out. But once he's free and liberated, he wants to go back and liberate all sentient beings, or at least those whom he considers part of those worth redeeming. And so here we find Moshe in the beginning of Parshas Ve'era at a crisis moment. He's called God on the carpet. He said, God, Why did you... No, God, what's up with you? You're the most powerful. You introduced yourself to me. You said, I will be with you. And then you weren't. And it got worse. And God says, no, in the beginning of the Parsha, God says, it's going to get better. Give them a new logon information. It's a different code. They, you know, El Shaddai was the one they knew, but now you know you'd have Avrei. It's different. And then Moshe says, okay, I got it. Now I got, and I'm going to go back, and it doesn't work. And now this is the third time it doesn't work. The people don't believe him, but now God has given him Aaron, his brother, and Aaron will be. Um, Moshe's Navi. Aaron will be the prophet for Moshe. Moshe will be God, and Aaron will be the prophet, and it's going to work out. And now we take it. We pick it up now. Verse eight. And God says to Aaron and to Moshe, when Pharaoh will speak to you and will say, "Give me a sign."
Then you, Moshe, say to Aaron, Kach es matcha v'hashlech lifnei paro. And you will say to Aaron, take your staff, meaning Aaron's staff, and throw it before Pharaoh, and it will become a tanin. Some kind of reptile, maybe a snake, a serpent. The word tanin only appears in the Bible once before. The great taninim in the, in the kind of creation story, there are these great reptiles. What's happening here, folks? What's going on? Well, first of all, God says to Moshe, when you get to Pharaoh, trust me, Pharaoh will say, give me a sign. Right? That's not clear why the narrative goes in that direction. You can imagine a lot of other things God might have told would happen, told uh, Moshe would happen. When you get to Pharaoh and he asks you if you want an espresso, a cappuccino, if God said, if you get to Pharaoh and he says, who are your parents? When you get to Pharaoh and you say, hi, my name is Moshe, he might say to you, who's the guy with you? I didn't see him before. But clearly, the text wants us to know that God wants Moshe to know that the very first thing you can expect Pharaoh to ask of you is a sign, a mofet, like something wondrous. Mofet is like a wondrous thing. Like he's going to ask you to pull something out of your bag. So be ready. And now here's what you do. Take your staff, take, I'm sorry, take your brother, tell your brother to throw, right? You're going to be regal, you're, going to, you're not going to do it. It's, not, it's way beneath you, Moshe. You have to be, it's going to, you're like a tag team, right? You're going to be there, like, you know, talking to Pharaoh, and you have to hold that place. That's what the Midrash says. Atatiya Nasi, the Midrash says. You will be the prince, prince of Egypt. And you'll tell your second in command, because you don't have, you know, it's like having a second, you know, like my executive assistant will take care of that, you know. It's like, you tell Aaron to do it, right? Which is interesting, because later on, Moshe does a lot of the, the lifting later on, and that's pretty marked. And have him throw the staff down, and that will be the first mofet. That's the first miracle. What's happening here, folks? Because there's Torah here. Again, as the Hasidic masters say, all of the Torah has to be relevant for each and every one of us for all time, as much as we can try to unpack it and make it relevant. So what's this, what's happening here in the story, and then what's happening for us? on this glorious Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. What, what is happening here? Leadership, what's, what's, what are the wheels that are set in motion here? Beautiful. So it says Rebab that the, here's, here's what's going on here, that there's something very important as a leader in making, in making your power felt, like your power, your potency, that here's a moment where he's playing the, in the, in the arena, I'm, I'm paraphrasing you, I'm sorry if I get it wrong. Um, he, he's playing in the arena of power and he's given a powerful tool, literally a staff, and says, I'm gonna I have to show my bona fides, my credibility, right? I already was discounted because people who come with a new agenda, people who come with a radical message are discounted. They don't have power, they're just dreamers. Just dreamers. Can't, we can't say that word anymore. It's got such a, huh, it's so heavy. So, so we need dreamers with power. Yeah? Right. There's a minister. So he brought, he brought, the, right, right. Who, are you? who do you think you are? Go back and preach in your little shul, your little church, your little mosque. So he brought the power, and he brought the power to the religion of Egypt, as it were, 
in a, in a miraculous way. And in some way, I know that in the bottom of the Eitz Chaim, I remember reading this, that there is tension between miracle and magic, which is kind of a, a biblical way of phrasing, like a way of understanding the Bible in its own context, in its own time, in its own period, is to say that the polemic here is between the God of Israel, who is miraculous, who controls nature, and the men of Egypt who want to control nature. And Moshe here is expressing the Jewish belief that our source of truth and power is rooted in that power, in God. And that's what I speak from. I speak from that authority. I answer to a higher authority. Okay? Hot diggity dog. And anyone else? That's gorgeous. Anybody else? What else is going on here? He throws his staff down. Why a snake? Why a reptile? So the Midrash, of course, say that... Okay, I'll forget about the Midrash. You, Robin. No, you're the Midrashist. Robin. Or in our case, might say, like, knowing how we get the engines... Right, so knowing how to use uh, nonviolence, but also power, right? In this case, some, he's he's kind of trying to avert a disaster. He's essentially trying to say to to, to Pharaoh, I, "I'm trying to speak on a, in a language that you will understand, um, and see if that works." The midrash, of course, sees the, the rabbis see the significance of the symbol of the tanin, of the, of the serpent slash reptile, because Pharaoh himself imagined himself to be a great reptile. The book of Ezekiel, the word tanin hagadol is used to describe Pharaoh. It's as if he's saying to him, you think, right, who made you into this tanin? Who made you into the great reptile you think you are, known other than God? In other words, God is stronger than you. God can make a stick into a reptile. And he made you a little stick into a reptile. And our reptile, our divine power, will swallow yours. Right? We will ultimately triumph, is the message here. We had a very beautiful Torah this morning in our Bible study, in the open book, where the image of a hardened stick becoming fluid and soft like a reptile was analogous to the heart of Pharaoh who would become hardened and Moshe says, you will be broken. You will be softened. Might as well do it on your own now before you have no choice. Right? It might be too late. Anybody else want to say something? Yeah, Sam. Speak up so that Karen and Scott and Mijanu can hear you on that side a little bit. Yeah. Did you, you all heard that? So that was very much what, um, similar to, to what I said last night about the moment that, for me, the answer to Moshe's question, how will, I, how will I be a conduit, a conductor for that power? I can't do it alone. And God says, well, I'll give you your brother. And why your brother? Because, of course, the entire biblical story is about brothers who don't get along, especially older brothers and younger brothers, where the younger one is chosen before the older one. The Torah goes out of its way to tell us their age here. One's 83, one's 80, and yet they're going together, right? They, were, they, they went together as a team. And here you're saying, Sam, is that, that it's modeling for all of us too about what it means to be grassroots organizers and what it is to, to speak truth to power is that we can't do it alone. You know, Ravi Ragbir yesterday, uh, two days ago rather, who was arrested, the, the founder of the New Sanctuary Movement, the head of the New Sanctuary Movement is now being... Uh, de deported, right? We are in this together. If we're going to speak truth to power, and we must, we must stand together, 
knowing how to delegate appropriately and also knowing how to organize appropriately and not imagining that the entire thing, it's not on every one of us individually, but collectively, we have tremendous strength. So this morning, um, as we stand before Torah and we prepare ourselves to read this moment, I want to also read a little bit from what will be coming after this morning's service uh, with Rabbi Mira and with Dr. Renee. I don't know what they're going to do, but I know that they're going to raise up Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. And it would be appropriate to raise up someone who, whose memory and whose, um, whose life and his martyrdom stands as forever for each and every one of us as a beacon of what it is to be makom she'en ish, tishtadeliot ish, in a place where, where people are afraid to express their deepest humanity and speak truth to power, be that person. So he says this, There is nothing except a tragic death wish to prevent us from reordering our priorities so that the pursuit of peace will take precedence over the pursuit of war. There is nothing to keep us from molding a recalcitrant status quo with our bruised hands until we have fashioned it into a brotherhood. A genuine revolution of values means that in the final analysis that our loyalties must become ecumenical rather than sectional. Every nation must know, must now develop an overriding loyalty to mankind as a whole in order to preserve the best in their individual societies. The call for a worldwide fellowship that lifts neighborly concern of beyond tribe, race, and class is in reality a call for an all-embracing and unconditional love for all of humankind. I think at this moment I wanted to call all of us to stand this morning with Torah, to stand as a community for the memory of this great leader and in the, who was so prophetically aligned with Moshe Rabbeinu, with Moses, right? So prophetically aligned with Moses. To stand together at this pivotal moment in our culture, in our society, and in our world, where we don't really have to stretch very far to apply Torah to modern and current events. Sometimes rabbis wring their hair out, you know, before they're about to give a sermon every weekend. They're like, how am I going to make this relevant? And that is certainly not the case, unfortunately, you know, today and next week and last week and last month. It's not. And in that way, our job is much easier and more painful because it is now of biblical proportions. And so against that biblical right, archetype of Pharaoh stood a Moshe who was willing to go in and play by the rules of power in order to unseat despotic power, to unseat power that is evil, that is racist. And so we stand this morning with whatever means, hopefully, that we can garner that are the means to bring about a softening of the rod of unfeeling and unbending power towards that great, great power of love and compassion, that force that makes for human possibility. And that we stand together at this moment, each of us empowered as a Moshe, as an Aaron, as brothers, as sisters, to hold hands together to find appropriate rods by which to goad and to pray deeply from deep in our bellies 
that plagues are not the next moment. That plagues are not the next moment. That we will not have another hardening and hardening and hardening, another awakening that goes back to sleep, awakening goes back to sleep. So I invite all of us this morning, as Alyssa comes forward, to chant this, just to rise for this Aliyah.